Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Aristotle once asked, what soon grows old? And he answered his own question with a single word, gratitude. Death, gratitude, one of the most beautiful of emotions, is like the butterfly, one of the most beautiful of creatures, short-lived. By now, you know that our story will deal with gratitude, and of a type that shall set no record for longevity, either. Won't you sit down, Miss, um... Penrose. Penrose. The name is familiar. It should be. You killed my nephew. I beg your pardon. You shot him to death. Without mercy. Miss Penrose, I shall have to ask you to leave. And I will leave. But wouldn't it be splendid if you could dismiss your conscience as easily? mystery drama, Maiden Ladies, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Terry Keene. I'll be back shortly with Act One. It is almost midnight. The highway is deserted. Off in the distance, we hear the keening of a finely tuned sports car. It grows louder as the car approaches. At first, it is just a dark mass in the night. Suddenly, its finely sculpted lines and gleaming brightwork are illumined by the moonlight. And it is revealed as a thing of artistic beauty. One of the dreaded sounds and sensations a driver can experience. A tire blowout. Somehow, he manages to control the car and pulls off to the side. For a full minute, he sits behind the wheel as if paralyzed. Then, he opens the door, walks back to the flat right rear tire. Now what am I going to do? i got to get out of here. I can't stay here. Hey! Everything okay? Uh-oh! You got a flat. Wow! You're driving an Asada Asmara. Hey, first time I ever seen one. I, I mean, outside of a picture. Is she as great as they say? Hey, uh, mister, uh, let me fix that flat for you, huh? Uh, no, no, don't, don't bother. Oh, no, it's no bother. I'll get this one off and another one on so fast you'll think you made a pit stop. You know what I mean? No, I, I, I'd rather you didn't. You, uh, you have a spare, don't you? Hey, are you sure you're okay? Hey, well, why don't you sit down? Look, you gotta have a spare. Now, if you'll just open the trunk... Open the uh, trunk, I... I really don't think I... How else are we going to change the tire? Hey, uh, there's the keys in the ignition. I'll just uh, take them out and open the trunk. Hey, I'd rather you wouldn't. Ah, there it's open. Oh, you do have a spare. Oh, you don't have a jack. A jack? Ah, it doesn't matter. I'll use mine. I got me a special kind. First, I'll get your tire out. Uh Uh-oh. 
I got so excited about the idea of working on an Isada Esmar, I forgot I was wearing this clean white shirt. I, I don't want to put you in any trouble. What trouble? My Aunt Emma will take care of the shirt. <laughs> she isn't going to like it, uh, though. Listen, please, I... I thank you for your good intentions, but I, I must insist you just what stop. What are you going to do? Fix it yourself? You don't even have a jack. Uh, let me get mine. <laughs> I mean, you'd rather sit around here all night? Okay, we got all the tools. Now, we go for the record. Wheel disc off. And now, we pick up our trusty lug wrench. <laughs> we should have held a watch on it. I'll bet it was a record. You, uh, you're all through, aren't you? Yes, sir. Now, just, uh, let me put my jack back in my trunk. Oh, and lest we forget, let me put your old tire back in your trunk. Better remember to get that flap fixed. Oh, now, look at me. Aunt Emma's sure gonna love this shirt. But it's all in a night's work. <laughs> Sir? Uh, mister? Yes? Are you all right? Yes, I... I'm all right. You seem kind of nervous. Is, is everything okay? Why shouldn't everything be okay? Why are you staring at me? Well, I was wondering if maybe I'd seen you before. Where would you have seen me? Well, I don't know. It's just sometimes you look at a person... Is it... And... Is it because I have the... the mark on me? Is the mark there already? The, the mark? The brand. The brand? Well, sir, I'm, I'm, I'm sure happy I was able to help out and all. Uh, now, if you don't mind... Oh, wait. I'll have to be getting along. Please listen to me. You see, sometimes you get into a situation and you, uh... You just lose control. That's... That's what happened to me. You can't get out. You just keep... Getting in deeper and deeper. Uh, mister, you're not feeling One well. thing just leads to another. You can't stop it. Do you understand? And you watch it as if it were all happening to somebody else. Sir, uh, do you want me to take you to a hospital? No, no. I can't let you take me anywhere. Oh. Okay, but... Uh, and I can't let you go anywhere either. Hey, that's a gun. I... Uh, it isn't your fault. It isn't my fault. I had to shoot him. And tomorrow, or the next day, my picture will be in the paper, and you'll say, Oh, I saw that man the other night on the turnpike. You'll testify in court. No, no, I won't do anything like that. Yes, you will. You will. Because you're an honest person, a decent person, I know. I used to be such a person myself. Honest, <laughs> mister, I won't say a word. If you say you saw me here, then I have no alibi. Do you understand? Please, mister, don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why did you have to stop? Who asked you to be a good Samaritan? Who asked you? Paul? Yeah, it's Paul. Well, I got a drink all ready for you. Paul? <laughs> it's done, isn't it? Yeah. No one saw you? Look at my face. My forehead. Is it there? Is the mark there? Oh, come on, take it easy. No, answer the question, Janet. Can you or can you not see the mark 
of Cain. Paul, it's natural to be upset by what you did tonight. Even devastated. But we anticipated that. We knew it was part of the price. And we also know it'll pass. It'll be forgotten. Forgotten? It's finished. Look, they may suspect you. And, and if they do, you have an alibi. I'm your alibi. You were here with me at your country house all night. That young man. He saw the mark of Cain. Which young man? Oh, which young man? I was less than a mile from Arnold's house. I'd just gotten on the turnpike when I... I got a flat. What? This very nice young man stopped, and before I knew it, he, he changed the tire for me. He... Uh, would he remember you? No. How can you be sure? Because he's dead. I killed him. You killed him? I had to kill him. Why? He kept staring at me. He saw the mark. Oh, you stop that kind of talk. You must have seen it. Come over here. Here, come on. Now look in the mirror. What do you see, huh? I, uh... You see your own guilty conscience, that's all. Now you've got to get that look off your face. That's the mark of Cain. It was terrible. I, I killed him. All right. All right, Paul. You had to kill him. Instinctively, you did the right thing. He, he'd remember the car. He'd recognize you. Your, your picture is certain to be in the paper. Janet. Look, we knew it would be bad. Oh, now it's going to be worse. Oh, it's all happening too, too quickly. Just don't panic. No one can prove anything. The money. The $150,000, it's gone. Well, who would know that? With the exception of you and me. Arnold was the only other person in the world who even knew it existed. Janet, for a moment, I... I actually believed he saw the mark of Cain. And another thing. Since the world began, people have committed murder. So don't act as if you invented it. Come on, just let the, the initial shock wear off and everything will be all right. Well? I, uh... I just had no choice. <laughs> you see? You're already on the road to recovery. Come in, Mr. Bennett. Sit down. I'm Lieutenant Settles. Oh, thank you, Lieutenant. We uh, tried to reach you yesterday. I've been up in the country. I, I read about it in the morning paper. Yes. Arnold McCall's body was found late Tuesday evening when his housekeeper returned from the movies. Yes. He was shot to death. The place was ransacked. Uh, we understand a considerable amount of valuables are missing. Silver, gold objects, jewelry, various other items. I kept saying to him, Arnold, you, you're a fool to keep such stuff about the house these days. But of course you couldn't talk to him. Do you, uh, do you have any leads? Well, in the ordinary way, you'd be a prime suspect. But I thought you said it was the work of a burglar. Well, these things can always be arranged to look like a burglar. Well, what do you mean? You actually suspect me? When a married person is murdered, the spouse is automatically under suspicion. When a businessman is killed, we consider his partners. Now, isn't it true that you and Mr. McCall weren't getting along? Yes. But the fact is, we never got along. Our partnership was a difficult one, but profitable for both of us. Which is why it continued. Is that so? Actually, the fact of the matter is, I was with my fiancé. I have an alibi. Well, the fact of the matter is you don't need one. There were two murders the other night. 
The first was Mr. Arnold McCall at approximately 10 p.m. The second at about 10.30. They occurred within a two-mile radius. It was a young fellow named Eddie Penrose. Now, the odd thing about it is they were both killed by slugs fired from the same gun. A thirty-two caliber revolver. Both of them? Yes. Would you know if your partner, Mr. McCall, knew this young Eddie Penrose? I can't see any possible connection. Ordinarily, we might suspect you of killing your partner, but why would you also kill Eddie Penrose? The fact is, I wouldn't kill anybody. I'm not capable of it. Well, uh, thank you for coming down here, Mr. Bennett. Uh, I'll let you know if you can help us any further. You see the way it can turn out? Killing this boy was a terrible thing at the time. But now it completely removes you as a suspect. He was really a very nice kid. A splendid human being. All right, Paul. I'm reading about it in the paper. He, he was a scout leader. He worked with youngsters in the Little League. Paul, all this has to become part of a very dim and forgotten past. Do you understand? If only I didn't have to kill Arnold. Look, well, you don't start that. You had to kill him. In less than a week, he'd have known about the money and, and you go to jail. All right, all right. Let's not talk about it anymore. Absolutely. It says here that the Penrose boy will be missed by the entire community. Paul. You're right. I can't afford to think about it. Lieutenant Settles? Oh, Miss Penrose. Come in, come in. Have you found out anything? Uh, it's only been two days. What are you doing? I can assure you, ma'am, the police department is devoting its full energy... Lieutenant, why don't you package that baloney and sell it to somebody else? Oh, now, Miss Penrose... I am a I... citizen and a taxpayer. I'm here to demand an accounting from a public employee, a person who works for me. Now, my nephew, the finest boy you'd ever want to know, was murdered. What are you doing about it? Miss Penrose, it's very difficult. If police work were easy, anybody could do it, and we wouldn't have to pay you. Yeah, right now, we don't have a single lead. And how do you propose to go about getting one? The same person who killed your nephew also murdered Mr. Arnold McCall. We're going to concentrate on that murder. Oh, why? Because Mr. McCall was a rich man? We have a list of what was taken from the McCall house. Now, sooner or later, the killer will try to sell something. That may give us our chance. In other words, you're just going to sit around and wait. Miss Benrose, we have nothing else to go on. Well, you can sit around and wait. I'm not. What are you going to do, Miss Benrose? I am going to find the person who killed my nephew. Hmm. Just what do you think you can do? I don't know. But somebody has to do something. rather strong-minded, take-charge type ladies. Shall they become the adversaries of our story? Act two, in just a few minutes.
there's no other way out. A man faces absolute ruin. His only chance to escape disgrace and prison is to commit murder. Despite what you may hear, many people do get away with murder. And so our Mr. Paul Bennett figured out a very simple plan. But the problem is murder is too complex a crime. Oh, no, don't. Don't. Go away. Paul. Go away. Paul, darling. Uh, Wake up. uh, What is it? Wake up. Huh? What? Oh. Oh. It it was a nightmare. What kind of a nightmare? I... I don't remember. I, I, I was sitting on the patio. I heard you cry out. I, I'd i stretched out on the couch. I, I must have fallen asleep. Oh, Paul, don't let yourself go to pieces. If only that boy hadn't come along. I'm not sorry about Arnold McCall, but, but the boy... You can't change anything. I know. McCall, it's his fault. What are you saying? You got into financial difficulties. And who got you into them? Who advised you to make those terrible investments? Arnold... No, it's not entirely true, Janet. Oh, it's true enough. He forced you to steal that money. But the boy... I keep reading article after article about him. How... How fine he was. How... How decent. Janet. Hmm. What, what's the number of the police? Up here? I I guess you just dial the operator. No, no, in the city. Why? Wait, they've got a special number. It's it's on the front page of that paper. What number? Here it is. Yeah, it's 555-4433. Who are you you calling? It's a special police number for the murders. Oh, why? Uh, you want some information on the killing of that Eddie Penrose? Who's calling, please? Uh, Never mind. I'm just telling you. He had the whole world fooled. He was peddling drugs. And who knows what else. That's why he was bumped off. Well, now, what was the point to that? I... I don't know. Why did you do it? I... I don't know why. Well, what can you gain from it? You always say everything you do has to be motivated. You had a reason for making that call. Of course there's a reason. I just don't know what it is right now. Oh, Paul. Look, I know what you're saying is right. I mustn't panic. I I just need a little time to adjust. Just remember, people can adjust to anything. Lieutenant Settled. Oh, Miss Penrose. Just what is going on? It isn't bad enough my boy had been murdered. Do they have to assassinate his character as well? I'm sorry. What does that mean, you're sorry? How did this scurrilous information ever see the light of day? Well, we received an anonymous tip that Eddie was a dealer in drugs. What right did you have to inform the news media? We didn't. Then how did they know about it? We have to follow through on this information. We have to ask certain people questions. Unfortunately, word gets around. The press have their sources, too, you know. Do you have any idea what this has done to Eddie's memory? People are saying, well, of course he was involved with drugs. Why else would he have been killed? Unfortunately, that's what it looks like. How people can turn. How they can forget. Now they can take such a joy in believing the worst. Miss Penrose, there were two cars. His and someone else's. It was evidently a rendezvous, and they killed him. 
You believe that? We have an underworld situation here. Now, the killer, or killers, arranged to meet Eddie on the turnpike. They may have known about the wealth in Mr. McCall's home. On the way, they stop off to rob him, and they have to kill him. Then, they keep their date with Eddie. How do you know there were two cars? We can tell by the tire marks. Well, then, that clears Eddie's name. It does? I'll tell you what happened. Eddie didn't arrange to meet anybody. He just happened to be driving by. He saw their car. He stopped. Why? He noticed they had a flat tire. That's the type of person Eddie was. He'd always stop to help, and he did. He changed the tire for them. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you know that? Because just this morning, the, the morgue sent me all of Eddie's things. He was wearing a clean white shirt when he left the house. How did the whole front get to be covered with dirt? Well, how do you know it was from changing a tire? Oh, you know how dirty a tire is. You lift it and hold it against your body. I'll show you the shirt. You can even see the tread marks. Now, what do you say? I don't know. Lieutenant, tell me something about that other car. You saw the tire treads in the dirt. Yes. Well, couldn't you trace the car from those? No. Do you mean they're just ordinary tires? No, no, no. They've been identified as very expensive tires imported from England. Plantagenets. Well, shouldn't that make it easy? No, even so, you'll find them on thousands of cars. I tell you, he was killed because he stopped to help somebody. His shirt proves it. Miss Penrose, we are doing the best we can. Well, it's not good enough. Yes? Um, well, what can I do for you? I, uh... Look, if you're selling something, whatever it is, I don't want it. Uh, this is the home of Mr. Arnold McCall? Mm, the late Mr. McCall. Yes, I, I know that. Would you kindly state your business or permit me to shut the door? I... I read in the paper he had a housekeeper, Miss Tolliver. Is that you? Well, now, who else would be answering the door? Please, Mrs. Tolliver, let me talk to you. About what? About the murder. Oh, no. No, I never knew how many morbid people there are in this world. It takes a murder to bring them out of the woodwork. Mr. Arnold McCall is dead. May rest in peace. And may that be the end of it. Good day to you, madam. My name is Miss Emma Penrose. My nephew and Mr. McCall were shot by the same person. Oh? May I come in? Yeah, all right. Here, this way. Here, have have a seat. I'm sorry about your nephew. Yes. But, you know, they get into bad company. He was probably a good boy to begin with. What are you saying? Mm, It's the easy money that destroys him these days. Then you believe it. You believe what was in the papers. Look, I'm sorry. You're his aunt, huh? His father's sister. And your name is Miss Penrose. You never married, huh? You're his maiden aunt. I never got used to that expression. Neither did I. Oh, they talk about mother love. And I tell you, the love of an aunt is something special. 
Now, what's the difference if he was a saint or a sinner, huh? I mean, he was still your very own Eddie. Anyhow, now, what can I do for you? I don't know. Well, why did you come here? It's going to sound crazy, but I have to find whoever it was that killed my nephew. Oh, that's a job for the cops. But they're not doing it. Well, what are you going to do? I don't know yet. I came here because maybe the police overlooked something. You know, it's like, you see, in a movie... This quiet, everyday kind of middle-aged lady walks into the place and finds the one clue that has eluded the cops. <laughs> it's funny. It does sound funny, but please don't laugh. Oh, I'm sorry. Who's laughing? It's just the cops were here with cameras and dusting powders and Lord knows what all. Tell me. Who do you think killed Mr. McCall? Oh, the cops already figured it. A burglar, or I don't know, a couple of them. And from the looks of the place, I'd have to agree. Who had a motive for killing Mr. McCall? Oh, hey. (laughs) That's a great detective story type question. You want to know something? If it wasn't such an obvious robbery, I'd say his partner killed him, Mr. Paul Bennett. Why? They were always at each other's throats. They should never have been partners. Paul Bennett didn't belong in business to begin with. See, he used to be a college professor. (laughs) But then she got her claws into him. Who? Hmm? Janet Rouse. She was Arnold McCall's secretary. And what sort of woman is she? (laughs) Let's say the sort we wouldn't want our nephews to marry, hmm? She made him develop some very expensive tastes. I don't think he could afford them. Why do you think he'd want to kill Mr. McCall? I would see Paul Bennett look at Mr. McCall with a certain look in his eyes, you know. It's a look that, that would kill. Well, how could I explain that to a cop, huh? How can you say it to me, hmm? Because we're two maiden ladies who understand each other. So you think Mr. Paul Bennett killed Arnold McCall? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'd be my candidate. But, of course, he didn't. Why not? Well, you know why not. The burglars did it. Then why did they have to kill my Eddie? I don't know. I'll tell you what happened. Paul Bennett came here that night. He knew Mr. McCall would be alone. He could have found out you were going to the movies, couldn't he? Oh, I guess so. He shoots Mr. McCall dead. Why? There's a reason. I don't know what it is. Maybe this Janet Rouse steamed him up to it. She could have. So he shoots and kills Mr. McCall, makes it look like a robbery... Is that impossible? I didn't say it was. And the police are waiting for the loot to turn up to wherever that kind of stuff gets sold so they can catch the criminal. But it'll never happen. He was smart enough to get rid of it for good. So he'll get away with it. But why would he kill your nephew? How could he tell he would get a flat tire as soon as he got on the turnpike? How could he know Eddie would happen along and stop? 
Why couldn't it happen that way? Well, I, I don't know. The way you tell it. Huh. Sounds all right to me. You must admit she's really telling it the way it is. As if she'd seen it with her own eyes. Obviously, she has convinced Mrs. Tolliver. But Mrs. Tolliver is not her problem. The person who has to be convinced is shrewd, skeptical Lieutenant Settles. Well, she has the whole third act in which to work on him. detective work is all about. Coming from deduce, which means to draw from. Originally, it had to do with making wire. A strip of metal was drawn very thin. Well, our Aunt Emma, a rather quiet maiden lady, is even now drawing a very thin wire of a deduction with which she hopes to contact Police Lieutenant Settles. You said the tire marks were for Plantagenets. And what kind of tires does Mr. Paul Bennett have on his car? No, Miss Lieutenant, Pedro. just try to follow me. Those tire marks belong to the car used by the killer. Right? Miss Pedro. You claim that it had to be the same killer who murdered Mr. McCall. The same bullet. Prove it. That killer was supposed to be a crook who looted the place. Now, I say that can't be. All right, Miss Penrose. Why not? Plantagenet are the most expensive tires you can buy. They're used on sports cars, very expensive sports cars. Now, why would some common crook drive one of those? A common crook these days can drive anything. Well, once again, Lieutenant, I'm going to do your work for you. I'm going to find out what kind of car Mr. Paul Bennett drives and what kind of tires he has. Miss Benrose, I must caution you. About what? Even if I solve the case, Lieutenant... You can have the credit. I just want the criminal. Um, this is the Blake Street parking garage, isn't it? That's what the sign says, lady. Oh, uh, Mr. Bennett, uh, Paul Bennett sent me here. He wants me to get an envelope from the car. Okay, go ahead. Well, he forgot to tell me uh, where he parks it. Uh, he's up on level B, just up them stairs. Why don't you take the elevator? Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, I never saw the car. He told me what it was, but I just can't remember the name. It's uh, Sada Asmara. Really? I never heard of it. Big red job. Turn to your right as soon as you get off the elevator. You can't miss it. You find it okay? Oh, yes. Thank you very much. That's a beaut, huh? I suppose it would cost as much to buy a house for an average family. You're close. Everything about it is so fantastic. Even the tires. Yeah. You can't beat them Plantagenets. Just perfect. The lady, nothing's perfect. Well, theoretically. And practically. Even them Plantagenets, they can go flat on you, too. Really? Yeah. 
He drove in here last Wednesday morning. He stays up in the country during the summer. Anyway, he pulls in and he says, Tom, I had a flat last night. <laughs> Can you have it fixed for me? Sure, I says. Last Wednesday morning, you sure? Sure, I'm sure. I had to write it up in the book. Oh, you have a record. Every repair we make, the boss insists. Ah. Well, thank you so much. You've been very kind. Been nice talking to you. Mr. Paul Bennett's car has plantagenet tires. That does not constitute proof that it was Mr. Bennett's car. That night, Mr. Bennett had a flat tire. I have a witness. It doesn't prove that he had the flat tire at the same spot. What am I supposed to do? Drag him in here and have him sign a confession? Even if you could, and did, it might not stand up later in court. What do we need? <sighs> Miss Primrose, I like you. You're a very admirable woman in, in many ways. Why don't we get to the point? <sighs> uh, Mr. Arnold McCall is murdered. His house is ransacked, the killer has a rendezvous for whatever reason with your nephew and shoots him. And? And? That's it. No. This is what happened. Paul Bennett killed his partner. Paul Bennett has an alibi. My nephew would have destroyed that alibi. That's why Paul Bennett killed him. Look, now what you say is reasonable. And before I learned that Arnold Bennett and your nephew were killed by the same gun, before I knew that the two murders were connected, I leaned toward Paul Bennett myself. Then why don't you anymore? That was before I knew about Bennett's alibi. How do you know his fiancé isn't lying? Mm. She may very well be. What are you saying? But there's nothing I can do about it. What you have is suspicion. Mm, reasonable, I admit, but juries can't convict on reasonable suspicion. And they have to acquit on reasonable doubt. I keep asking you, what do you need to arrest this man and bring him to trial? Evidence, Miss Primrose. Evidence that can stand up under cross-examination in court. And what's that? Oh, maybe if we found some of the loot on him or, or the gun. But it's all probably buried where it could never be found. I can't believe he'll get away with it. I know it's hard, Miss Primrose. But as I said, we do our best. And as I said, it isn't good enough. Have you got all those uh, figures, Janet? Yes. Within a week, I can liquidate all of our assets and walk out of this place. <laughs> With enough money to last us for the rest of our lives. <laughs> How do you feel? Oh, fine, fine. Arnold McCall was a wretched cantankerous. Of course. And that young man, what was his name? Eddie Penrose? Mm -hmm. He was just a young punk. Oh? You saw the stories in the papers. He was a drug pusher. Sure. Things go from bad to worse with those people. I'm sure. I probably did society a favor. What do you think? <laughs> I think you're right. It's not worth talking about anymore. I'm sorry to keep bothering you, Lieutenant. Mm. I... Oh... Why do I say that? I pay your salary. Miss Penrose, you brighten a drab day. Now, I want you to tell me certain things about Mr. Paul Bennett. Mr. McCall's housekeeper says he used to be a college professor. That's true. What did he teach? Psychology. 
How could a teacher of psychology become a murderer? Easier than most folks, I'd say. He could find the justification for it without too much trouble. How long had he been in business with Mr. McCall? About five years. The name of the firm was McCall and Bennett. And what did they do? They devised programs, uh, personnel counseling for large corporations. They did quite well. Hmm. Had Mr. Bennett ever been in any sort of trouble with the law before? No, he didn't have a police record, if that's what you mean. But he had been arrested while at college. He'd uh, gotten into a fight with someone in his fraternity. Have killed the fellow. Why? Uh, what do college boys fight about? Girls, probably. Anyhow, the uh, police were called, charges were pressed. But the college authorities managed to hush it up. So, our Mr. Paul Bennett is capable of violence. Add that to everything else. But it still doesn't add up to a conviction. Janet, we can close up at the end of the month. Ooh, I still think you could have gotten more for the business. Oh, I I'll, I'll answer that, Paul. Uh, yes? Miss Rouse, uh, Miss Penrose, to see Mr. Bennett. Uh, Miss who? Penrose. Penrose? Penrose, Penrose. Why is that name so familiar? Penrose. It was that boy's name. Uh, just a minute, Louise. Listen, Paul, what are we going to do? What does she want here? Well, we better find out. Um, Louise, would you ask the lady to come in? Janet. Paul, remember, we have absolutely no problem. Come in. Uh, Miss Penrose. Uh, I'm Mr. Bennett's secretary. Uh, this is Mr. Bennett. Uh, now, won't you have a seat? Thank you. What may I uh, do for you, Miss Penrose? I would like you to sign a confession stating that you killed Eddie Penrose. Well, what reason would he have for doing that? The best reason in the world. He's guilty. You can't prove that. Notice instinctive reaction, not a denial. Miss Penrose, I don't want to appear impolite. But I'm afraid I must ask you to leave. It would be better for you if you could ask your conscience to leave. Now, I know you killed him. He stopped to help you fix a flat. Your tire marks were on the ground there. He isn't the only one with plantagenet tires. Of course not. And the following morning, your garage man can testify that he fixed a flat tire for you. None of that is evidence. That's right, it's not evidence would be the gun, the loot. But they're probably gone forever. <laughs> you can depend on that, Miss Penrose. So you will have to just confess. It's the only way. And you'll do it. Why should he? Because if he doesn't, he'll never know a moment's peace. Paul, you've done a terrible thing. You have killed two people. Now you have to find forgiveness. I'll forgive you. If you come forward. <laughs> oh, I needed this. How refreshing. You poor, silly woman. You actually believe in conscience? You think it's going to bother me? <laughs> it's already gone from my mind. Really? Lieutenant Settles. Mr. Bennett, your secretary said you were in. Excuse me. What is it? Oh, what are you doing here, Miss Penrose? I'll tell you, Lieutenant. 
She is engaging in harassment. Mm, you shouldn't do that, Miss Penrose. Uh, Mr. Bennett, uh, I'm going to ask you to come with me. Why? Am I under arrest? Paul. Let's say that you're wanted as a material witness. Now, you're not compelled to answer any questions. What kind of questions? Oh, we've been following a certain line of inquiry in which there are several indications of your involvement, sir. A principal among these is the telephone company record of a toll call from your country home in Reddington to the special police number in town here. I don't know what you're talking about. Our log shows that at precisely 4 p.m. of the 14th, we received a call on our special line from someone who advised us that Eddie Penrose was involved with drugs. Well, what, what does that have to do with me? According to the phone company records, that call was placed to the special number on your telephone. Why did you place such a call, sir? Don't answer, Paul. You don't have to. He doesn't have to answer. I know why he did it. He did it so he could live with himself. He had to reduce Eddie Penrose to nothing so that he'd feel no guilt over his murder. That is why you did it, isn't it? He, he was a criminal. A hoodlum. You had to convince yourself. It, it was in all the papers. Who gave that story to the papers? Who was the only source of that story? The call was from your home, Mr. Bennett. Speak to some of Eddie's closest friends, the people who really knew him, whose lives were touched by him. No. I wasn't there when he helped you. But I can see his face. His bright, friendly face, his honest smile. I can hear his heartwarming laugh. Can you ever forget it? I... I couldn't help it. I couldn't. No, Paul. What could I do? He... He saw the mark. The brand. Yes, and I see it too. You can feel it burning. I didn't mean to. Sometimes you... You just get in so deep. One thing leads to another. You, you can't believe you're doing it. Excuse me, Mr. Bennett. Charlie, uh, would you and Dick take Mr. Bennett and Miss Rouse here down to headquarters? Please. Can, can you forgive me, Miss Penrose? Yes. I forgive you. And I'm sure that Eddie forgives you, too. Lieutenant, mm. when did you begin to suspect him? Well, I began at the beginning. What were you waiting for? Well, as it turned out, I guess I was waiting for someone like you to put it all together. flash of insight that illuminates the darkest reaches. Sometimes, we simply cannot realize how difficult it is to get a conviction for murder. Circumstantial evidence is so hard to prove, yet circumstantial evidence is usually all the evidence there is. I shall return shortly. The title of our little exercise is Maiden Ladies. Maiden Ladies receive a certain amount of attention in literature. Quite possibly because so much of it, in the past at any rate, was written by Maiden Ladies. But to live alone is a challenge for anyone in our society, especially for a lady of maturity. 
But meeting this challenge has helped create a class of competent, fascinating ladies. They remain, perhaps, one of our greatest untapped social resources. Our cast included Terry Keene, Michael Tolan, Carol Titel, and Russell Horton. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.